Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Hey guys. It's 765 days in quarantine. How you doing? (laughs) We're alive. Today we're trying something really fun. We have our partners on as our guests. So this could either go really well or really badly. My husband, Matt, will be joining us. And my partner, Lee, will be joining us. And we'll be talking about apologies. What makes them good? What makes them bad? Plus, how they've changed over the course of our relationships. And then we have some very fun, very juicy hot goss. And as always, we have hashtag swag bag. And up next, the tits and the shits. All right, Carrie, so you want to start this week? Sure. I haven't even thought about it, so let's see what happens. Do you want me to go first so you can think about it? Yeah. (laughs) I was going to be like, my tits this week is water. I like water. (laughs) (laughs) My tits are, we have lived in our house since summer of 2017, so I guess almost three years. And uh, we have a basement that has basically just been a laundry room and storage for a bunch of crap. And we spent this weekend buying shelving for the laundry room and like cleaning things out, putting things on the shelves. And we're basically making the back room an office slash a studio. And the like other room is going to be like a playroom slash workout area because I have been working out every single morning except for weekends. I've been trying to eat better. So it just feel like I'm hitting my stride in quarantine. I'm finally accepting that this might just be the new norm. Like I don't know when Matt's going back to work. I don't foresee him going into an office anytime soon. And Honestly, I prefer he doesn't. I have no problem with him being here. I like it. And I think I kind of hit a point last week where it was just like, all right, you've gained too much weight. So when you do put jeans on, it hurts. I'm right there with you. I just bought new jeans so that I don't feel that way. I literally bought some new stuff to fit me for the summer. I'm trying to go low and slow, as you'll mm-hmm. hear later. Um, I'm very much an extremist. So I go from like slob who does nothing all day to gotta do everything, work out every day, have protein shakes, eat healthy, you know? So I'm trying to like low and slow it and not be so crazy hard on myself. But I feel like I'm finally hitting my stride. I feel like I'm finally finding my normal in all of this and kind of making the best out of it. And I'm happy about that. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thanks. It only took five zillion days in lockdown. Listen, it takes the time it takes. Yeah. You know, my shits are done parenting. I'm over it. (laughs) It's a shame you only have like 26 more years to go. I'm like so over it. You know, we all know what it's like, but every day is a new adventure. And some days, like yesterday was a great parenting day. I loved it. All I wanted to do was hug and squeeze my little baby boy. And today I am just like, everyone leave me alone. Like, why can't can I escape? Why does in there daycare that I can just like drop my kid off at? I just need a timeout. And really the real catalyst for all of that was Sebastian's been potty training and he's been wanting to be very independent. You know, we help him pull off his undies and help him get on the toilet, but then he'll say like, close the door. And he wants us to close the door and get out so that he can have some privacy. And I'm okay with that. He wants to like, you know, explore being a big boy as much as possible. Fine. So he did that. I went back to making lunch because, you know, he came over while I was cooking lunch and said, I I need to go pee-pee and potty, right? Go back to making my lunch. And, uh... Was he in the downstairs bathroom? Yeah, so literally right next to the kitchen. So Mm -hmm. I can hear everything. Comes back out and he goes, I did poopy. And I was like, oh, yay, that's great. You did a poopy in the potty. And I go into the bathroom and I swear to you, an adult-sized shit 
was on the floor. <laughs> it had been stepped in. There was pee all over. The shit was also the shape of, there's an episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia where they invite, they're looking for new friends, and they make these flyers that are supposed to be biceps, but they look like cock and balls. The turd looked like that cock and ball flyer. And when again, I said, again, I need you to take pictures. I have a picture. I have a picture, and I didn't send it to you because I wanted to tell you the story on, the, on air first. I will send it to you now. Thank God you've learned from your mistakes yes. prior. So then, then, <laughs> sorry. When I tell you the cock and ball shit was adult size, it was 100%. <laughs> like, it's bigger than some turds I've done. I could not believe this came out of my son. Then I'm like running around. I'm like, I put him in the shower and I'm like, just stand there. Just stay there for one second. I'm like running around trying to find Clorox wipes. When I go back in the bathroom, the dog is eating his shit. (laughs) And I screamed so loud. I was like, no, Gary, don't you fucking do that. And Matt came running down and he sees me. (laughs) I had already like lifted the cock and ball adult size poop, thrown it in the toilet. I have a plastic bag where I'm throwing all the paper towels and the Clorox wipes. The baby's in the shower. Clementine's, like, hiding somewhere, waiting to, like, make a run for it and lick some more shit. And Matt's just like, what's happening? I have chicken on the stove. It was just like, I was done. I was done, and it took me so long to shake it. It took us recording for me to finally shake it. Because, and, and I'll tell you, I was like, fuck, you know. This was yesterday? No, this was right before we recorded. Oh, okay, got it. He's like, Carrie's already told me I sound too depressed lately. How am I going to go into this recording? I don't want to do it. I don't want to. I don't want to do it. So that cock and ball adult size turd will live with me as long as the woman who took a dump in the cat box <laughs> that we talked about on Scary Mommy, which I'll never forget, nor do I want to ever forget it. I really wish we had that person's email because I would love to oh. have her on the show. <laughs> I just want to be like, all right, let's break this down. Like set the tone, like paint the picture. What day of the week was it? What month? What was the weather like? Was it chilly in your home? Please tell me you were wearing overalls. Because yeah. that <laughs> a romper of some kind, so you were totally naked when you had to shit in the cat box like just really let break it down for it did you straddle it did you put your paws in right right did you have (laughs) were you just squatting did you have to go on all fours were you having a beverage while it was happening please paint the picture did you use your feet to cover it up afterwards (laughs) did you kick it did you kick more litter onto it did you scoop it did you pick it up with a paper towel how did it work i know i need to know all of the things oh man ashley that was a hearty laugh you just got me out of my slum yeah well you're welcome i do what i can and you just gave me my tits by the way. Was what, my story? Prior to this, my tits were just going to be water because it was the thing that was in front of me and I couldn't think of nothing good about my life at this point except for the water that I was drinking. But since Ashley reminded me that there is good in the world, I will say that my daughter had been doing really great being potty trained very early, just the concept of sitting on the toilet and peeing very early since we were on Scary Mommy. Right. And then she had what we think might have been COVID and she had that vag bag situation. And ever since then, she has not been able to go on the toilet. So my mom and I were like, let's revisit it in a more deep way, but let's do something different because obviously she has this like negative. And the doctor warned us that if we vag bagged her, it might regress things. Right. Well, was that or a catheter? So Exactly. I went and I spent more money and bought a Elmo toilet. 
which a lot of people have. Yep. And is it the one that sings when you flush it? uh, He says something. He doesn't sing. I wish it sung. He just like laughs at you, which I find demeaning. But anyway, (laughs) he's like, "Ah!" like, this doesn't help me. (laughs) But it's not for me. And Luna is not actually peeing as much as she did before, but she's peeing and she actually shot a little tiny turd on the toilet twice. So it's not back to the way it was, which was like really well potty trained, but it's a little bit more advanced in that she's pooping. She's adorable. She grunts. Yeah. And then. And she also now is, we have a Grover book about having to go to the bathroom. And so when she's going in her diaper, she goes, and we go, are you peeing right now? So we're starting to develop the knowing when she goes. That's great. So it's getting back on track. She did pee better prior to vag bag, but you know, a lot of things pre- COVID happened differently. So I guess my tits, aside from water, is Luna, um just revisiting potty training and me feeling like I know that we talk that you should not feel this way, but feeling productive during quarantine. I know we're not supposed to feel that way, but I have been like kind of lackadaisically parenting and that feels like a parenting win. I think so. During this time. I think for sure. Because like I'm not doing like bead threading activities and I'm not freaking doing that stuff. And so this felt like, oh, I'm doing what I'm supposed to. Oh, and God, I'm just a bevy of tits. I have so many tits. I'm like a (laughs) nursing cat. You're like Uh, a three-breasted woman in total recall. Exactly. And Luna's off bottles. So I decided that that was the other parenting thing. The pediatrician had said, God, so many months ago to try to get her off bottles. And we tried and it did not go well. And then COVID happened and. I was just like, I can't right. handle all of that. So it's official. She's off bottles. That's great. I do want to say this about potty training and maybe for anyone who isn't quite there yet and maybe a little reassurance for you. Remember how like preoccupied I was with potty training when we were doing Scary Mommy? Like I was so, he won't go on the potty. He won't go on the potty. And it was because I was feeling so much pressure from outside influences, like so many people being like, oh, he's not going on the potty yet. And I felt like, oh my God, there's something wrong. Like we need to get him going on the potty. So many people would like write in and say like, when it's right, it's gonna happen. And those people those were the correct people. And I just want to say this, like we did little things to work on it, but this like, oh, he has no pants on for three days thing. I'm sure that'll work. And I'm sure if your kid is about to start school and they have to be potty trained and that's your way that you need to do it, then you do it. But if you have the luxury of time and you have the luxury to let them kind of guide you, they will figure it out and they will start doing it when they're ready. And he really proved that to me. Nothing I did really got him to that point until he was just ready to be there. And positive reinforcement. Luna's like annoyed by diapers now. So I took that as the cue, yep. you know. Totally. But my sisters and Seba are about the same age. Yeah. And she's having the same problem. Like he's pretty much potty trained for pee, but pooping was like back and forth. Yeah. And he started a little bit of regression. And once a week, there's a text string where she's like, fuck it. I know I'm a bad mom. I don't give a fuck. I'm putting him back in diapers because she has two kids. And he keeps shitting everywhere. Like, And then she said, this had me laughing. I sort of want to have her just quoted on the show as just saying this. She says, you know, he's a really smart kid and he's very verbal. He started doing stuff like, she described it. It was so funny. She's like, he now turds on the floor and she's in the other room like feeding the baby or whatever. And she can hear him say out loud, we're not supposed to poop on the floor. <laughs> like he, like a little turd, repeats what's supposed to be said or like we go poopy in the potty. And he says it in this like <laughs> condescending, <laughs> shitty tone. And she's like, I'm on my computer trying to work from home. And I know that he is doing something bad. And he's just repeating what should be said in a <laughs> shitty way to me. 
<laughs> or he'll be like, mommy has to work so hard when you don't poop in the potty. <laughs> and he's saying it out loud as he's like taking a shit on the carpet. I really wish Tucker lived closer because he and Sebastian really took to each other at Luna's birthday. They loved hanging out together. And I just feel like they're both these little jerks in certain ways <laughs> that are so funny when you can take, you know, when you're not the parent and can take a step back. You should have heard my sister doing this. And I wanted to be like, Gina, this is exactly what you were like as a kid. And hearing <laughs> you imitate him, I'm triggered because this is exactly how Gina was like. But oh my God, treats are not for during the day. And meanwhile, He's like eating a bag of chocolate. That's so funny. Oh, I love that. He's also like Sebastian in that he's like a little shit, but he's also like the snuggliest. Like so sweet. And then my shits are, this has been a rough week for me. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been a little MIA from our conversations. And I've been MIA from a lot of people's conversations. This is a real struggle week for me. And I could quantify it with all the things that are hard. Like I'm still not even close to done editing the episode that's out tomorrow. And I usually am done by now. And I feel ugly when I look in the mirror these days. And I was feeling pretty good like the week before. It's like very flip floppy. It all hinges on the fact that Luna has not been sleeping and I haven't been sleeping and I become kind of psychotic when I don't sleep. It's the reason why I stopped breastfeeding. One of the many reasons is because I needed that sleep time. I really am not a good person. I don't think anyone is though, Carrie. I like it. No, but the thing is, I, I don't actually need that much sleep. So for me to say that I'm not even getting that much sleep, that I think it's actually, I'm in the danger zone of sleep. Like I usually only get six hours of sleep and that's not even how much you're supposed to get. Right. So for me to get under that for many days, it's dangerous. Like I couldn't drive a car. That's how tired yeah. I was. I would not take my child out by myself. Like, that's how underslept I've been. And so, you know, it just makes everything worse. And I mean, I guess the shits are this week has been really hard for me. And I have it pretty easy here. So I'm sure it's emotionally hard. The episode talked about Lee and I have gotten a couple fights this week. I'm sure that being exhausted definitely plays a part in it. Like, it affects mood and it affects sensitivity. And I'm not cooking and taking care of myself and exercising because I'm exhausted. And yep. I had that breakdown on the mom tourage Instagram, which I think is important that, you know, totally. you guys see this. But we we got a f- bunch of messages from people saying like, oh, you know, I've been there. I feel the exact same way. Like people relate to it. I'm feeling like I am f- am giving only a little bit to everything and that I'm failing at everything. That's been the overwhelming feeling this week. Like I feel like I'm not being a good yoga teacher. I'm not being a good parent. I'm not being a good podcaster. Also, I just hate myself for saying not being a good podcaster, but you know what I, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like, I hated myself when I said that. I'm not being a good friend. Like I haven't returned calls to my sister or to my friends. It's just, I'm in a drowning period and I know from experience that it will pass, but my shits are just like a very general, this week has not been good for for me. And I'm sure some of it is I'm going to get my period and whatever. But I just, this week has not felt very good. And I don't like the person that I am this week um, to anybody, to my daughter, to Lee, to my friends. So I, yeah, I just, you know, I'm trying to not be hard on myself, but that's the reality is I just, I don't feel great this week. Is there anything I can do to help you? No, I mean, you're doing it. You're giving me space and you're sending me funny things. And so, yeah, I mean, it's going to get better, but that's that's my shits this week. For our first segment, 
I was reading the New York Times, as we do with our free subscription that we steal, Um, (laughs) and I came across this article called How Not to Apologize in Quarantine. Of course... The title was kind of salacious in that talking about not apologizing, and so I wanted to read it. Full disclosure, I have trouble apologizing. How about you, I mean, everyone does, I think. I definitely do. I feel like I'm really bad at it, just in general. And I would say I have the most trouble apologizing when it comes to Matt, to be completely honest. So, in light of that, we've decided, guys, so exciting for you, we are (laughs) going to have our partners on the show. Let us welcome Mr. Lee Mars and Mr. (laughs) Matt Heron Smith. Thank you so much for having me on. I hear this being recorded all the time, and uh, I'm finally on. Very exciting. Thank you, guys. You're welcome. And Lee hears us recording because Lee edits all of our stuff. I'm intimately acquainted with the ins and outs. Yeah, he gets a really fun job. Thanks, Lee. Do you want to recap the article, Carrie? Sure, I can recap it. Basically, the article is funny because it takes a sort of satirical look at this experience from this man's standpoint of being quite quarantined with his wife and how he was cooking pancakes and he couldn't find a spatula. And he asked his wife, where's the spatula? Well, that blew things up. (laughs) Of course it did. (laughs) Of course, I know. It would irritate the shit out of me. What do you mean, where's the spatula? You live in this house. You're a member of this household. What do you mean you don't know where the spatula is? And then that went on to the kinds of things that are being brought up in this tight quarantine quarters, what we're noticing about our partners that maybe we didn't before because there was space of going to work or we just were not stuck in our homes. There was other distractions. And then it goes on to describe just in general this idea of apologizing, how good or not good we are at it, the kinds of apologies there are. I want to say my biggest issue with this article, I liked everything it said. What I did not like was the way it ended and his passive aggressive tone about the fucking spatula. He's like, I'm going to go to spatula a city. Yeah. It was just like, we just dissected this shit out of apologies. I like completely turned into myself to examine everything and now we're going to be sarcastic. It just really drove me crazy. Apparently I'm alone. Kind of liked it because it was very on brand for me. I hated it. I was like, oh my God, what an asshole. Anyway, the rest of the article was really, really, really good. I thought it was interesting that a man was writing this article and goes over the bad apologies because I don't know about you guys, but in our household, I find Matt may disagree and he's here so he can that he does these types of bad apologies more than I do. Matt, would you agree with that? Hmm. Well, as someone in the house who does a majority of the apologizing, I would say that I'm uh, I'm very well suited to uh, give my perspective on this. I think that is true, what you said. (laughs) I think I go through my cooling down period after we fight where I give many very poor apologies. But then when I take a little time and like settle down and think things through, everyone gets, you know, kind of a normal head on their shoulders. Then I come with something that pretty closely resembles what they have laid out in the article, a genuine apology. Does that happen for you guys where there's like a few shit apologies and then finally like everyone takes a breather and then the good apologies start to happen? Well, I have a sub question first before we go into our apologizing. Matt, Ashley said you do a bulk of this shit apologizing, but is it because you're the only one apologizing? Because at least a shit apology is better than no apology. Uh, I disagree, but that's besides the point. Okay. I just was curious if Matt was doing a bulk of the apologizing, period. Should he or not? Yes, I think I do. Okay, interesting. I think he does do more apologizing, but I would also say that... It's because he's always wrong. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, yes, but that's not what I was going to say. As of late, I think I do a lot more apologizing and a lot more of like, hey, sorry, I got upset about that type of apologizing. Because to be honest, that's why apologies happen more on his end, because I'm the one that gets irritated by things or I'm the one that gets upset. He doesn't really get upset about anything. So that's why I'm not really needing to apologize. But what about you guys? Who does more apologizing? Crickets. Uh, we don't. We're not great at apologizing. We're not. I don't know. It's something I think we need to work on. Well, I mean, you know, that's the other thing. We have like fucking twelve years. How long? How many years of this do we have, Matt? Of this, <laughs> nice. ten, eleven. Yeah, we have some experience. I do a lot of the. I'm sorry. It made you feel that way, which is a terrible <laughs> apology. <laughs> Let's run through these bad apologies real quick. We like to escalate before we get to the apology stage. Oh, that's us too. You feel me? Yeah. In fact, as if we were researching for this article, last night we got in a rager. (laughs) Real rager, slept in separate beds kind of rager. Yeah. So we were preparing for this article. Mm -hmm. But you know, I'm willing to chalk it up. This is an unpleasant situation everybody's in. We're under real stresses. We're out of our routines. We're eating shit food. We're not exercising. There's so many things going on on here and I'm willing to just say hey you know what I'll let whatever slide this is just not normal so apologies I'm willing to do whatever it takes so we can get through this knowing that this is just not the way that anybody should be living I can't speak for Carrie, but anytime a man says, I'm willing to take the blame or I'm willing to uh, fix anything, I'm pretty good. I'm not. (laughs) I'm joking. I appreciate that Lee is saying that. And when he says he wants to work on something, that's like the most important thing that can be said. I need quite a bit of time. Same. The biggest difference between Lee and I is that Lee, I think, comes to anger quickly and comes off of anger really quickly. And I'm like, maybe have been coming to anger about a lot of things, like a checklister kind a person. And then when I blow up, it's crazy. And then it takes a lot of time for me to come down. So I was crafting an apology about last night, but it probably wasn't going to come out until Thursday. Is there a chance that we'll get a preview? Maybe today? Maybe. Like yes, maybe today. It's like we're Oprah. It's like real life reveal. <laughs> it's going to be the big reveal. We'll work on Should it. Should I set my Siri timer for 48 hours? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just do a quick rundown of what a bad apology is and what a good apology is, just to give everyone listening a little bit of context. So he says there are four kinds of bad apologies. There's the if apology, which is, I'm not saying I did it, but if I did, I would be sorry. The no fault apology, which is sure, I did something wrong, but I don't know if it was wrong at the time. The pre-apology. I feel like that was my entire 20s, that apology right there. Yeah, like, oh, I didn't think it was bad to do. Sorry, I just fell on his dick. It wasn't my fault. It's like zero self-awareness until after the fact. Right, exactly. The pre-apology, which is owning up to it before anyone accuses you. I am, I would say that was how I dealt with my mother a lot. Yeah. That is my least favorite apology. I'm like, everyone has demons. Suck it up, (laughs) buttercup. My least favorite. And then the unpology, which is my apology was genuine, but I didn't do the thing I apologized for, so I hear. I deny it. That's like the political apology. <laughs> right. That's like the every politician under the sun apology. Carrie, why don't you do the good apologies? That's good because maybe I can learn from them. <laughs> it's a learning opportunity. Show regret about the impact of your past behavior. Take responsibility in the present. That would be the one that I probably need to work the most on considering I'm like a 64-hour apologizer turnaround person. So responsibility in the present would probably be a really good one for me to learn. Just. Dis- 
describe how you plan to improve in the future? I mean, I feel like a good apology is all three of those things. Yes, absolutely. I think it has to be a combination of all three of those things. I also, (laughs) you guys are going to love this. um, I think I do all those things when I apologize. The the keyword being when. But I do think that when I apologize, I try to do all three of those. And sometimes, you know, I'm like somewhere in the middle of you and Lee, I guess, where it's like I get real angry real quick and it festers for a while. But as I'm getting older and life is moving on and I think quarantine just like I'm starting to realize like things matter a little less. Like why am I upset about something so insignificant right now? Once I have my cooling off period, then I think I do all three. Matt, do I? You can speak honestly here. Um, Yeah, you do. I mean, you're a good apologizer and you're genuinely sorry. And I think you are sympathetic of how I'm feeling about the situation when you're ready to apologize. Right. Um, That's, again, the key word, when. Yeah. Just like me, it's kind of like a a process to get there um, to where you want to actually be done just being mad at the other person and actually want to find some kind of resolution and stuff. At least, you know, that's that's where I go. Sometimes it takes hours, but it it happens. At least it's the same day. (laughs) (laughs) You sometimes, you know, back in the day, it wasn't the same day. Back in the day, Matt and I would have day-long fights, like multiple days long fights. I literally can only think of one time that I've done this and I was single and it was not to someone I was dating. Done what? Apologize like that? Yeah. Only once I, I can think of. Wow, really? I'm way too old for day long fights. I, yeah, I feel <laughs> that way too. I'm really bad. I'm really bad at apologizing. I really am. Lee, would you agree? I mean, you know, it's uh that's a delicate situation. We've got a lifetime to work on it, right? How do you feel like you are as an apologizer? I won't yell at you, regardless of your I answer. I think I've got a few years on you, and I feel like I've grown over time and made strides in that department. But yeah, I mean, I can get angry about something, but I think I can diffuse it and dispel the feelings and get rid of it quickly and come to a point where we can get over it. Or if it's something small, just realize that, hey, look, that's bullshit. I don't need to get upset about that. But apologies, I'm happy to get it done to move forward. And that being said, to make a heartfelt Apology, not just something to put it out there, but to actually get results and have it work for you. So you can get over it and we can both move on. Are you guys the kind of people that fight, apologize, and then have sex? Because I am not. I don't think we've ever been that couple. I don't think so. No. no. That's, that I definitely need time for. I have never, never, ever not once in my life been the person who has a fight and then it like turns into sex somehow. That is not my thing. Fighting does not turn me on at all. No. It's, yeah. No. That makeup sex thing, when you see it in movies, that always struck me as just yeah. weird. Right? Yeah. Also, I don't think it's healthy. I feel like when I fight, I fight like at a molecular level. So it really takes everything for me to recover from it. That was the hippiest shit you said in a real long time, Ash. I just mean like it's permeated so deep in my body that nothing is going to like turn around and be like, ooh, I'm horny now. I don't know how that happens. I can't wrap my brain around it. You know what's weird is Lee was just talking about that deflecting thing and he does work really hard at trying to like diffuse the bomb while it's happening. But for whatever reason, that only makes me angrier. True. Lots of times... Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. His diffusing it actually fuels my anger worse. Yes. I don't know what it is, but him trying to like diffuse it, it becomes worse. Maybe that's a woman versus man thing because I feel like if anyone takes this as sexist, well, I don't know, fuck off. But <laughs> I just mean like women for the most part try to like 
attack things head on and just deal with it and move on. Where I think men are just like, ah, like, let's just avoid this uncomfortable situation altogether. By the way, I will be sending this entire episode unedited to Fran for a preview <laughs> before a session. <laughs> She'll get the unedited version and the, the general public will get the edited version. Okay, actually, what did you want to ask? I'm For sorry. analysis. Exactly. <laughs> I wanted to know how all of us feel that apologies have kind of changed over the course of the relationship. Because you guys, so how long have you guys been together? Three years? Four years? Four years, right, Lee? Four? Yeah, yeah. four. Four. Four years. Least. Matt, you and I have been together 10 years, 11 years. And I feel like our shit has really changed. We used to get into horrible fights where like I would run out of a moving car at like <laughs> 3 a.m. in Brooklyn in the rain and then like be she, she so literally did that. Yes, this is a true story. <laughs> and Girl, you crazy. So crazy. Out of my fucking mind. And then I would be so pissed he didn't come after me. You know, like how dare you not chase after me? And now it's like, all right, you know, if I'm really pissed off, I'll say I'm sleeping on the sofa. And that happens maybe like two times a year at this point. I like how Matt knowingly giggled. He's like, uh, yeah, that's my baby right there. <laughs> No, it's true. It's definitely true. You know, we've certainly matured personally, but we've also figured each other out a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, we don't have those huge blowups anymore. And I think a majority of our fights now are either kind of based around like one or both of us kind of just being in a bad mood and being a little touchy or just one of us is angry at the other one for getting angry. And it's kind of like we're upset that we have to go through a fight. So we just have to kind of like go through the process of it and let it pass. And then we do the apologies and then we're good. Um, I think it's great that most things on our plate right now are really small picture things Mm -hmm. to fight about. You know, there's nothing huge, major issues that keep coming back again and again and again and have to be dealt with on a real like focused level. So I think we're getting better. And I think in quarantine, especially, I think it's been kind of good for us in a way that we are able to be around each other. We can go through this process a little quicker and we kind of see each other's day and realize any things that may be bothering us are a little more evident. And I don't know, I feel just kind of closer to you and a little more in tune with like what may be upsetting you, you know, since we've been stuck in this house together for the past couple months. I agree. And not to mention, we did right before this, we came off of you being my boss, which normally I think would have been difficult, but we both tried to respect each other in that situation. It's almost like the more and more big responsibilities, like a kid and like a house and like these kind of important jobs, the less time and like bandwidth we have to nitpick at each other and like yeah. fight over bullshit. You know, I guess that's kind of nice in a way. Also, diseases that kill people. Right, uh, of what, course. <laughs> Once in a century pandemics. What about you I guys? Mean, I feel like in the beginning of our relationship we didn't fight all that much, but this brings me to a point I'll talk about later. You know, we were two people who were single for a really, really long time and we didn't meet until later in life. And so both of us are kind of very much set in our ways when we met. And so the first while of our relationship, we kind of did our own solo thing and then met up together to do a together thing. But we didn't spend seven days a week with each other. We dedicated a certain amount of time together and then we were very separate. Um, So I don't think there was that much fighting. Really, when we started cohabitating, which is also when I was pregnant with Luna, that this stuff started to happen. So it's really, I think, in my opinion, I'm curious to hear what you would say, Lee, as well, but it really has been in the last two years that this stuff, the cohabitating, the having a baby, because we're now sharing more of our lives together than we did when we first started dating. Lee? 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, from previous relationships, I've done the living together thing, and, and that is immediately a source of additional stress, which takes it to another level. And so I've seen that before, and I anticipated that. Like, I, I just know that's a fact. Anybody mingling their things together, moving in, all these things that couples go through, it's the same stuff. And I know everybody has their individual tastes that need to be merged. And you, I don't think, had lived with anybody before that. So nope, this is stuff that you're getting hit with for the first time. Yeah, we surprisingly did really well on the merging of things and the choosing of that kind of stuff. It's just some of the other living style stuff and, of course, now parenting. Yeah, I think we did really good. I was really proud of that. Something that Fran said, I don't think I've said this on air but I've said this to you, Ashley, I think. Something that was really revolutionary that Fran said in a couples therapy session. Lee, you're okay with me sharing that we've done couples therapy? Sure. We did couples therapy like prior to having the baby and now since too. But one of the things that came up prior was that our basic primal need, not to sound again like a total hippie, is very different. For me, my basic need is to be respected and to have space. And Lee's Mm. is to be loved and appreciated. Yeah, I think that's mine too. Those are very different things. Lee's need is to be like touched a lot and to be with the person a lot and to be appreciated and loved. And mine is, I need space. Please respect me. Those are very different things. And so I think a lot, and it was like a game changer when Fran said that in so many words. So I think that really, truly, a lot of our arguments boil down to that. A lot of times I'm saying, I don't think you respect what I need, or I don't think you're giving me space. And Lee's are usually like, I need you to appreciate me more. I wish we could be more affectionate. So it boils down to those like primal needs, and it helps to know that. That was like a game changer. It doesn't always translate in knowing how to fix it right away. I mean, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. I feel like I'm kind of in the leap boat of things. But I, I, I don't know. I kind of think Matt is too. You know, we were talking about this the other night. Why did this come up, Matt? Where I was saying, oh, you know, if it were up to you, we would probably be okay spending more time apart. Do you remember why that came up? Um, I'm not sure why it came up. I mean, maybe we were talking about my parents. Or we were watching something. I don't know. Something happened and my parents are always together. Always have been. They're just always together. For me, that's what you do in a relationship. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that maybe that's not necessarily the healthiest way of being. I do. It's giving me hot sweats. I know. I'm so sorry. We have a really good friend, Danny, and she always, from the beginning, has very much, she's in her marriage, but she very much has her time with her girlfriends, obviously, before all this quarantine. She goes out. It's like not such a big thing. And for me, it's always felt like that this is very off topic. Do we care? that this is off topic from apologizing? No, I don't think it's off topic. She's very good at having her own thing. And I want to have my own thing only because I know that that's what's healthier. But like, I actually don't want my own thing. I just want to hang out with Matt all the time. And it's always been like that. And, you know, early on in our relationship, that was one of the struggles for us, me in particular, was why do you need this time to go and do shit with your friends all the time? Why wouldn't you want to just like be with me and your friends? But why does it have to be so separate? Yeah, Ashley, I so strongly disagree and could not I know. date you. I know. No, we could never date. We would literally nope. kill each other. In yep. fact, we just wouldn't even make it past like a month. No. Mm-mm. Yeah, Carrie would hit it and quit it. You'd be out of there in a minute. Yeah, totally. Wouldn't work. There was so much good stuff in this episode, guys. We had to make it two parts. Really felt like it was important for you to hear from our men for their side of the story. So you'll have to listen next week. Stay tuned. Does Carrie apologize to Lee? And what's annoying us from our partner in quarantine? 
All that plus a bag of chips. God, I wish there was a bag of chips with the episode. Anyway, stay tuned next week. Should we do one of our favorites, Ash? Nothing makes us happier than hot goss. One of my favorite people to talk about is the Kardashians. Like, I... Who doesn't love to talk about the Kardashians? But I don't know why I love them so much, because I am not... Because they put it all out there. They make it so easy to have an opinion on them. You know, you can say a lot of shit about them, but that is their strength. They put it out there, and they kind of have some kind of, like, a wall to an extent where they don't really let it get to them. I don't know how they do that, but they don't. They totally live by the old adage, no publicity is bad publicity. Honestly, I have to tell you, I really think it's admirable. I don't know that it's healthy. There is something to admire in all of that. I'll tell you, it's very on brand for this podcast. Very (laughs) on brand. (laughs) It sure is. They would be members of the momtourage in some weird Oh, for sure. I love the backlash I've been seeing Kylie get lately. I love it. Well, this is not about Kylie. No, it's not. This specific hot goss is a former bodyguard to Kim and Kanye came out and started talking about what it was like to work for them. He said their behavior was ridiculous and that Kanye West was the least favorite person he has ever worked with over the course of all time. Have you ever heard a rumor more believable than that? In your life. No, I mean, I can't even stand Kanye West and I don't work for him. I love <laughs> Kanye and I can't stand Kanye. So this came out of a conversation with the podcast Hollywood Raw, which I don't listen to, but now I want to. Nor I. Um, it's the hosts are Dax Holt and Adam Glenn. Uh, maybe we should reach out to them because it sounds like an amazing collab. Yeah. Uh, West, Kanye West, that's who I'm referring to as West, <laughs> wanted the bodyguard to stay 10 paces behind him on a city street. And he said, so obviously if someone is going to come up and do something, by the time I could try to run up and prevent it, it would have already happened. It was a ridiculous thing of a bodyguard to ask because it goes against his job. He also alleged that Kanye West and Kim notify the paparazzi every time they leave the house, which I feel like we could have guessed that. Of course. Then when the bodyguard was trying to protect West from the paparazzi, the rapper would get angry at him for being in his shot. Like, they want people to think they hate the paparazzi, but they don't want them ruining the shot. Right. But the thing is, that entire family, and, like, you have to automatically assume Kanye is in on that to some extent because he married into this very public family. That entire family exists because of paparazzi and reality TV. Also, Kim Kardashian, I'm pretty sure, faked her own robbery. I don't think so. Wasn't she seen wearing the same necklace that she said was stolen, like, a day later? I I don't know. I didn't hear that. Yeah, that that was the thing. That they, that the shit that she said was stolen, then she was seen wearing. Unless she just thought something was stolen and it wasn't, but she was broken into. I don't know. I mean, they took her engagement ring, that huge, huge, huge engagement ring of her. If she did lie about it, he wasn't in on it, I don't believe. Here's the rest of some of the things he mentions, but you can listen to the whole episode if you'd like. But he recalled a time when he almost came to blows with a security team of an Italian dignitary when West, who admitted he was a little intoxicated, wandered into the wrong hotel room. And then he said that West is the neediest moodiest and worst tipper he's ever worked for. Oh, I totally believe all of those things. But he said the rapper was very hardworking. And then 
Just as a side note, this article, which is on Yahoo, mentioned if you enjoy this story, maybe you'll enjoy reading Kanye West's frustration with his Forbes net worth estimate, which is also on brand. <laughs> Where he texted the guy and said, no, I'm a like three point something billionaire or something. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, so Kanye. You know, the other thing is when you're dealing with Kanye, aside from the celebrity aspect and the narcissism, he's also mentally very... Very unwell. Right, he's bipolar. Uh, and I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a whole lot of other shit going on there. Oh, too. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Also, bipolar is a diagnosis that's hard to pin down because of the very nature of it. So, But I'll tell you, he's a great musician. I really love his music. Not this latest album, but all the other ones. All right, Ash, hit us with your hot goss. I've got another one, but we'll let, let's volley back and forth. Okay, so Hannah Brown, the most recent former Bachelorette, dropped the N-word on Oof. IG Live. Oof. She was rapping something on an Instagram Live video and flat out dropped the N-word. And then people started, like, messaging her, you know, like how you can talk to the person, type to the person. And she was like, oh, I did? I'm so sorry, y'all. Someone brought up that she knew to not say fuck. That was a word in the lyrics. She skipped over it, but she kept the N-bomb in. Better if she kept both words in and she didn't have a sense and she was just like going for it. Like, I'm just going to DMX this shit up. I'm just going to do this, fully do this. Right. Uh, But that's the thing. Like The fact that she had awareness, which means that she doesn't think the N-word is bad. Right. And she's Southern, which is problematic. I watched the season. None of that is surprising to me. This is my hot take on Hannah Brown. I wanted to really dislike her, her whole season of The Bachelorette. I really did. Mm. I wanted to dislike her. But I actually found her to be pretty intelligent and pretty, like a pretty good judge of character. There was one guy that all of us knew was not a great guy and Mm -hmm. like full of shit or whatever his issue was. And she kept him around, but she kept him around and kept going back and forth. Like she was aware that there were red flags. She saw the red flags, but she was trying to sort through her feelings despite it. I respect that. I can understand that. But she came out of the whole thing kind of like America's temporary bachelorette sweetheart. And uh, this isn't faring well for her. This is no bueno. This is a big bad thing to do in 2020, I think. It really is. But also, maybe she's what we were just talking about. Maybe she believes that no publicity is bad publicity. Yeah. I mean, she would seem like it. She did that whole thing at the beginning of quarantine. She was quarantining with Tyler. So she's like done that. You know, she went on Dancing with the Stars afterwards. She very much is trying to turn this whole thing into a career. And A, good for you. I mean, this probably was not the best move, though. This was not, not, this was not a smart choice. So the next one, and this is someone we, oh God, I think everyone loves is Mary Kate Olsen getting a divorce. What's his name? Nick Sarkovsky? Oliver. Olivier. Olivier Sarkovsky? Yeah, Sarkovsky. He's the half-brother of the French, former French. Uh, president. So what is odd about this, I mean, I don't think it's odd that she's getting divorced. He's 16 years her senior. We thought it was odd they were That's even married. It? He's just 16 years? I thought he was like 36 years her senior. Well, it looks like that, but yes. six, 16. Wow. Um, I mean, almost nothing could surprise us from these gals anymore. But what's odd is how she worded the divorce. So she was calling it an emergency. So the, it's divorce filing in the state of New York. She was using covid as a, 
uh, reason to get a quick emergency filing. Well, part of that is because the state of New York was not, they were not going to, I don't know if issue is the right word, but they weren't going to see through anyone's divorce during COVID. And I think that's because of a lack of personnel other than emergency divorces. But they were talking about like emergency divorces being like, right, like you're in a battery. relationship. Correct. Yes. So this yes. is, well, this is how she worded it. I am petrified that my husband is trying to deprive me of the home that we have lived in. And if he is successful, I will not only lose my home, but I risk losing my personal property as well. I am gravely concerned that my husband will dispose of, in secret, not only my separate property belongings, but also our marital property belongings that are in the Gramercy apartment. First of all, don't they lease their apartment? Isn't that step one, the most shocking thing about this? I remember (laughs) reading this and being like, they rent their apartment? Yeah. Uh, Well, she had, her and her sister bought, but I guess together they're renting. First of all, prenup. Second of all, you are wealthier than him. Yeah. So what is the concern? Like you had a lot of assets prior to marriage and I have a very hard time believing that you didn't enter into marriage. Uh, He's not bad off either. So I doubt you guys entered into marriage without some sort of agreement. Right. So so if you guys lost what you had together as a marriage, while marital rules are 50-50, there's a way to like get it back. I mean, I understand things are tricky, but the word usage was definitely modified to make it sound like it was almost domestic abuse, yes. the word she used. Yeah, which I'm sure was deliberate. Correct. But then what came after the words were like, are you dancing around saying something is actually really bad like abuse or are you just using these words? Right. I mean, listen, if she's in an abusive situation of any kind, I'm not making light of that of course. at all. Of course. But it doesn't just, seem that way. I have a hard time believing that they didn't enter into this with some sort of prenup. And it's not like this is her only house. She's going to be fine. Yeah. She could literally rent a hotel room. Not that anyone wants to stay in a hotel. She could go stay with her sister. Like there's a lot of- She also uh, has other properties. Go to your other property. Yeah, just go anywhere. Go anywhere. Anyway, we don't know their business, but we sort of know their business. (laughs) But like also, we kind of know. Also, just in case you wanted to know, Ashley is quarantining in the Hamptons with some friends. Mm, And still smoking. There was pictures of her smoking the other day in the city. She is temporarily taking over the helm of their fashion brand while Mary-Kate deals with this matter. Hmm. You know, I love the Olsons. They're my age. I grew up with them. I have the coffee table books. They were my more my sister's speed. Yeah. Age range. But, um, I mean... I've always been a very big Olsen lover. So this is a... Uh, I feel like a conspiracy theorist, like they may be raptoid people like Elvis, shapeshifter. Mm. Like they're sort of like an enigma, like an old Hollywood legend. They are, but people. then they have this sister who's also famous, you know? I know, I know. So... Who's very upfront, unlike them who are kind of secretive. It's interesting. Right, right. Well, I guess because her childhood wasn't stolen from her. I don't know. I guess. But... Also, her sister's childhoods being stolen from them is what helped her get where she Correct. is. Correct. It's, so, it's a tangled web. It's a tangled it's web, a- Ashley. <laughs> well, let's move on to some quarantine romances I'm hating. Okay. The first being Megan Fox 
and husband, Brian Austin Green, are supposedly split. In fact, they confirm that they're split today. Also, they've been broken up and gotten back to a divorce like four times. Yeah, so many times. He looks good, though. He aged the best of everyone in 90210. He is so good looking. Him and Ian Ziering, which is confusing to me because I never found him attractive, but he's aged well, too. See, I always found both of them very attractive. And uh, Brian Austin Green, yeah, really good for him. He has, Good on you, he man. He is doing real well. Brian Austin Green posted some very cryptic Instagram post about butterflies and when the butterfly leaves. And then the article I read also referenced a tattoo she has about butterflies. So they're just oh, like, boy. oh, they're broken up. And then she was seen in a car with Pete Davidson's best friend, Machine Gun Kelly. Who I don't know who that is, but Lee told me he's from Cleveland. I don't really know who he is either. I just know his name is constantly brought up and he's best friends with Pete Davidson. Which means he's a hot mess. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like the same level of gross as Pete Davidson. I feel like he has face tattoos. I'm just going to go out I think he does. I couldn't, like, listen, if you showed me a picture of six different individuals, I would not be able to pick out which one is Machine Gun Kelly. He's also younger than Megan Fox. Interesting. You know, Brian Austin Green had that kind of rap career. Evidently, she likes kind of white rappers. That's yeah. her type. She seems like one of those girls, like what you described earlier, where she'd be getting a fight and jump out of a moving car in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. She's definitely 25-year-old Ashley crazy, but like never grew out of it. Yeah. And she's obsessed with Marilyn Monroe, including the like real bad parts of Marilyn Monroe. She's into him. What young Hollywood starlet isn't? I mean, even Scarlett Johansson has a Marilyn Monroe. Okay, side note. I just want to side note this. No one needs to get a Marilyn Monroe tattoo ever again. Beyond that, I have never understood any young woman, famous or not, who has this Marilyn Monroe obsession. Like, I get being fascinated by her life because she is a pretty fascinating individual, but like... She's like one of the saddest people ever. She's so incredibly depressing. She like had horrible things have happened to her in her life. Yeah, she was an orphan. She was molested by her adopted family. Like, Basically used sex to get places. So what? People still do that, but like, there's... I just don't think she's like a positive role model. She's not the kind of woman you say like, I want to be like Marilyn. It's not like Oprah. Pick an Audrey Hepburn. Pick a pick a Grace Kelly. You know, Grace Kelly became a princess. Like, just shoot higher, maybe, is what I'm saying. Sorry, ghost of Marilyn Monroe. Also, I just recently saw, I believe it was like a haunted by about how Grace Kelly had ties to the mob. And also- They all had ties to the mob, apparently. And, but a, and this also weird cult, that she was a part of this weird cult, and maybe the cult was responsible for her death. Was this on Ancient Aliens? No, but something similar to Ancient Aliens, <laughs> but it was not Ancient Aliens. That was relationship one of- Three in my quarantine romances I hate. Kate Beckinsdale and Goody Grace, who I don't know who that is, but is that that dude? Is that yes, that same guy. Okay. Same 22-year-old. But I also have to say that I just recently started following her Instagram, and she has the most bizarre cat she's, content. She is a very strange... She... <laughs> She's a very strange woman. Did um, I send you the thing of her being self-tanned? Yes. And she's stroking her cat. And then she made like a cat spaceship uh, in, during quarantine. She's like a Pomeranian, like clemmy, but like more fluffy. And she's wearing a sports bra and like Britney Spears level short shorts rolled. The Chihuahua or Kate Beckinsdale? <laughs> <laughs> Kate Beckinsdale. And she's like dancing with the Pomeranian. I just, she's strange. She's such a strange lady, but she keeps dating these young guys. Again, 
Pete Davidson. I think something happened to her in her childhood because she seems stunted. I think she's a narcissist. But she's, she is so pretty and whatever work she's had done, girl, get it. I actually think she looks overprocessed. I think she used to be so stunningly beautiful that whatever she's done has stifled it in my, I think she would have looked much prettier as like, you know, with some wrinkle, accepting some aging than what she does now. I have this weird thing where sometimes two people become the same person in my mind. Okay. And her and Victoria Beckham are the same person in my mind. I can see that. They both are very like thin and British and angular and beautiful. And we don't see much of them. Yes. Except when we see them and they sort of are stuck in this one way like Kate Beckinsale just does movies where she like slays vampires and things. Well also Pearl Harbor. Yeah but that was like old Kate Beckinsale. I'm just saying, in recent years, she mostly does movies with Scott Speedman. He aged really well, by the way. I have some sexy stories about Scott Speedman. He used to go to the same- Do they involve having sex with him? No, he bought me a bunch of egg baskets. Wait, (laughs) what? Firstly, that's not my idea of a sexy story. (laughs) When I lived in Silver Lake, we used to go to the same coffee shop every day. Um, And we used to, me, Jamie, and Scott Speedman, we would buy each other egg baskets. Jamie's my friend who I was living with. And we would like do each other a solid, and he'd be like, Oh, I got your egg baskets today. And I'd be like, Oh, I got, because they used to sell baskets with like three hard boiled eggs in them. Jamie and I were pretty poor. Like, I was living on her floor when I was living there. And so we would like share the egg basket because we were poor. But then we would like, you know, Scott Speedman would buy us an egg basket. We'd be like, Here, Scott Speedman, here's a pot of tea or whatever. Huh. He was very nice. He seemed like the guy that you talk about that you dated who was an actor and told you he loved you right away and then maybe wanted to play a song for you on his guitar. He just seemed so earnest that I was like, you are too actory for me, but you are handsome and sweet. He really is very handsome. Anyway. anyway so Goody Grace, he's just like, yeah, it's weird. He's also only a year older than her daughter. Her daughter is 21. Oof. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Mm-hmm. Didn't she date Pete Davidson? Yes. This is like six degrees of Machine Gun Kelly. Yes. And she dated somebody else young, I think, before him. I kind of think she's just like, she. my theory is she's either into drugs because- Yes, I think that's a yes. And, and not just like pot, like, like real drugs, like yeah. hard mm-hmm. shit. Or she's a total narcissist that needs to be worshipped as a mommy in some way. I was going to say MILF, like maybe like a MILF thing. Yeah. Either way, it's weird. It makes me uncomfortable, and it seems weird. Then we have Mr. I'm Still Living in a 2003 Hollywood, Ben Affleck. I'm going to smoke cigarettes, look uncomfortable. Not only that, and his new love, Anna de Armas, beautiful Cuban girl who is in Knives Out and a zillion other things. She's in the new Bond movie. They have a dog together. They got a dog together? Or she has a dog. She has a dog. This is why I'm saying the 2003. Three Hollywood thing. Like, paparazzi are constantly by his house watching them walk the dogs together. And they're constantly doing, like, the huggy, kissy pictures, walking the dogs. She'll go out in a shirt he wore the other day. Like, isn't that form of Hollywood dead? Well, evidently not, because pictures are still being sold to People Magazine and us, so I don't know. I just don't understand that how this is still the way we're doing things. Well, I mean, that's all they got going on right now. It just makes me really question whether it's actually a relationship anyway, especially considering right when there were reports of them first dating, some article had come out that he said his biggest regret in life was messing up things with Jennifer Garner, which like, yeah, no, duh, she had three children with her. Also, they kept getting back together and he had plenty of chances to make that up like so many chances and she like took him back a bunch of times also jennifer gardner must be like i dodged a bullet this man's a man child like she must be laughing
laughing at these antics. Well, you know. Instagram is very funny. How old is Ben Affleck? In his early 50s, late 40s? Yeah. He's dating a 32-year-old woman. And I'm sure they have the same emotional maturity. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not actually so bad. I thought she was younger. I can't think of a better age for him, you know? But also, it's weird because I think Matt Damon seems kind of mature. It's weird that they would be friends. A very nice guy. He seems like like a a younger Tom Hanks. Maybe they met at a certain time. One grew, the other one didn't. Which happens in friendships all the time. You don't see them hanging out as much as they did back in the day, so. No, but they don't trash talk each other either. Like, I feel like they have each other's best friend backs, but they're not like, they have different interests. Totally. Absolutely. But I feel like Matt Damon is hanging out with George Clooney making tequila, and Ben Affleck is drinking tequila with maybe some Vince Vaughn action. Yeah, that does seem right. Evidently, Vince Vaughn has cleaned his shit up a little bit, but he got married, didn't he? Yeah, and had a kid. And Rooney Mara and Joaquin Phoenix are expecting their first child. First of all, I didn't know they were together, but nothing makes more sense. Yeah, because they're so fucking weird, both of them. They're so weird. They're so intense. I kind of like and dislike both of them. Like, I I think they're incredibly talented. Yes. But I... and oddly attractive. Getting back to Francesca on Too Hot to Handle, Lee loves Rooney Mora, and that is one of the ones where I'm like, I'm not okay with this. I'm not okay with you liking Rooney Mora. It makes zero sense to me why you like her. I do not. I'm more okay with Rooney Mora than I am with Francesca. I know the Moras loosely. We used to all practice yoga together at the same yoga studio. They're um, very rich. They come from a very rich family. Yes, and they tell you that. Oh, do they? Well, they would say things like, so she drove like a convertible, hmm. and she'd be like, grandpa bought it for me. You know, when, when people talk about like papa and like that it's like you come from money you're like you know what i mean when people yeah. talk that way like, the captain got it exactly i'm dying exactly. to meet somebody who in real life refers to like their father or grandfather as the captain like nate archibald on gossip girl or like when they say we summer there yeah you're wealthy like <laughs> if you use summer as a verb you you know it's like you're wealthy you know what though since i've been redoing my basement i have been referring to it as the lower level like <laughs> ramona in her hamptons home so sure. that's where I am. My lower level in Union City. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nothing makes more sense than that relationship. That kid is definitely going to be friends with fucking uh, that techno chick and uh, Elon Musk's baby. Oh, XY, AEO, XYZ, integer. By the way, I read the craziest article written by Elon Musk's ex-wife about being married to Elon Musk before all of this shit with Grimes. And it was just like, he just sounds like an awful person. I don't know Grimes. I had to look that girl I, I, up. No, I have no idea what she is. <laughs> she makes like weird electronic music. Anyway, that relationship makes sense. And that baby will be definitely vegan. She's definitely having some sort of home birth. It's definitely a <laughs> There's home There's definitely birth a midwife situation. involved. Definitely couple probably and like a shaman maybe. And then. <laughs> Talking about setting intentions before your birth. She's definitely doing that. You should write her a warning letter. And there for sure is going to be some sort of like past life regression. We may never see that baby. That baby might be one of those like very Dax Shepard. Kristen Bell never see that baby thing. Yeah, we are never seeing that baby. Yeah. Who knows if the pregnancy is even real at this point? (laughs) Good for them. Good for them. Good for them. Congrats, Congrats, strange folk. All right, it's time for hashtag swag bag. Hashtag swag bag. What's yours? You know, I've got two. Is that okay? I mean, sure. This cheap-ass gold bond hand cream that I use that is really getting me through quarantine. I used it before quarantine. I have weird issues with the way things smell. I like the way this thing smells. It's thick. 
it's not too, too greasy, but I feel like it sits on your hands in a way that it doesn't just get absorbed immediately and then you have to use it a million times. So it's Gold Bond. There'll be a link in show notes. They sell it on Amazon, but they also sell it like CVS or wherever. It's just like cheap ass Gold Bond hand cream. <laughs> and then that's my low. My high is Kevin Murphy, the hair brand, makes all of these color enhancing shine conditioner treatments mm-hmm. that, that deposit like a little bit of color and can kind of tone oh, that's your cool. color. So I have one that's a color that I use because my hair can get kind of brassy. When I've been coloring it, now it's just helping me cover up color that I don't like very much. The one that I use is called Cool Angel Ash Blonde. Ooh, that's what they call me, Cool Angel Ash. Cool Angel Ash. But it warms up my tone, makes it a little less brassy. And right now where my hair color is kind of the two-tone root situation, it's depositing some color. So everything kind of evens out. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. But that's like a kind of an expensive product and they have different colors and whatever. But, and I highly recommend it for quarantine because it doesn't change your hair color permanently, but it does last, it deposits. So it does help. That's cool. Mine is this neck exercise. You know, I've been trying to get back on things. And one of the things I've noticed is I have, you know, I'm getting a little gobble. Oh my Um, God, I have a gobble so bad. This is my solution for you. My grandmother, my abuela, would do this exercise daily. And I don't really know how to explain it. So I'll put it on Instagram. But for you to describe it, Carrie, I'm going to do it. Because we record and we FaceTime while we're recording. And she's going to describe it because I don't know... How? But are you ready okay. for this? Because yes, it's ridiculous. Okay. All right. So you go like this. So she scoops her jaw forward. And then while it's forward looking <laughs> like she is having like going fast in a car and her face is weird. <laughs> she's moving her neck from side to side. I feel like and I was up cramped. and down. Yeah. You and like, you like really like. You, you take sh- your jaw forward. You scoop it out. Yeah. You push it forward and you like tense it up as hard as possible. And it basically widens your neck. Up and down. Yeah. I feel like I would throw my neck out doing that. Okay, so let me just tell you. It does work. It is like one of those weird Japanese-type things. You know, like how they have those little nose things that make your nose smaller that somehow actually work? It's like one of those kinds of things. It does work. I forget to do it. What's the turnaround? When am I going to see results? I start feeling tighter, like, in two days. But you will be sore, and you will forget why you're sore there. You're going to, because you're not used to doing that. You're like, have I been sucking a ton of cock or did I do an abuela exercise? Kind of. You're like, did I have head and not remember? But I do it in the shower. Like I do it like while I'm washing my face or washing my hair right. or something like that. You should like definitely that. do it where no one's watching. Yeah. Don't do it in public. <laughs> That's where I remember to do it all the time. But you will be sore. It sort of looks like Ace Ventura yes. doing a face while going super fast in a car where the skin of the flesh is drawn back like in a cartoon yes and they actually sell like a gizmo it's like a like a spring that you put under your neck and you do the exercises but you don't need that you can just do it without it and my grandmother you know when she was still of sound mind always looked great she had a great neck gobble area so uh highly recommend it well I think I'm gonna do it before and after because I got a serious do it gobbly gobbly and we'll do it before and after do it and then do like a week of it and you'll see a difference. Obviously, I know that this is content you guys want to see, so we will bring it to you. We're not going to hold back. I'm gonna. I will post a story of me doing the gobble exercises. <laughs> All right. Well, there you have it, folks. <laughs> what a show, Ash. As always, you're the highlight of my week when I talk to you. And you. I told you I was in a shit mood before this. Now I'm. I'm hee hawing. 
Having a great time. (laughs) Well, bye, guys. Enjoy your week. Bye. Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe. We are out here on our own, and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at momtouragepod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at momtouragepodcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is written and produced by Ashley Heron-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at Mama Drama Band or mamadramaband.com. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.